D. P. P. The Steve Dangle Podcast. With your hosts, Steve Dangle, Adam Wilde, and Jesse Blake. Montreal Canadiens are going to win the cup, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. They're going to win the cup. <laughs> well, this team's going to fucking do it, aren't they? So how about this? Tampa's up three games to two. Montreal's up three games to two. Let's assume mm-hmm. both make the Stanley Cup final. Yep. Here's a weird little thing that I don't think will ever happen again. This is now back-to-back years. The teams that faced each other in the Stanley Cup final will be in the same division the following year. Oh, Tampa and Dallas. Wow. Tampa and Dallas, That's followed wow. by Tampa, Montreal. How about that? How about that? How about That's that? that? Well, there's, there, there's stuff to say about Tampa and the Islanders, but I think we need to start with Montreal and Vegas because the real story here is Montreal up 3-2, to two, um, Boy, who knew that Chandler Stevenson would be such a hole for the Vegas Golden Knights to fill, but here we are. And I I think, I mean, I I don't know where to start with this game other than, boy, was I I convinced last night that this team is going to the finals. I do. Um, If the Leafs forwards as a group, like (laughs) 1 through 12, I know. If the Leafs forwards as a group, 1 through 12, played the way Vegas' forwards are, we'd put them in 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 a shredder. All right. We would we we'd put them in a magic bullet. But that's that's also a great place to start because Montreal they've shown just through three rounds an effectiveness to shut down offensive and especially the forward groups. Like it's two goals by uh, different Vegas forwards in this whole series. Like over five games, they've only gotten two yeah. goals from Vegas forwards. And um, if you look towards the 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 penalty kill, especially Montreal, they've stopped the last. Um, 12 power play. Uh, no, they haven't allowed a power play in the last 12 games. Yeah, since they game were four against the Leafs. They're, they're 20, they're 20 for 23 versus Toronto, eight for eight versus Winnipeg, 13 for 13 versus Vegas. They've developed a system where they shut down forwards and their ability to score. And it's going to lead net, them to the Stanley Cup finals. They're a net positive on the penalty kill. Yeah. They've scored more shorted goals. I asked you at the end of last episode if you thought by the time we got here on Wednesday that 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 you would be convinced of one or two teams going, we're, we're taking this in six. So I'm going to ask you guys that again. Are you convinced Montreal's got it? Are you convinced Tampa's got it? Is it over tonight with Tampa? Is it over tomorrow night with Montreal? I'm more convinced of Montreal. Even after an eight-one win, yep, ain't nothing. Ain't nothing. nothing. Even worse. Uh, And I'll and I'll tell you why. That's that's a Mm one-off. That's a one-off. That doesn't happen. Yep, Vegas lost eight-one to uh, Colorado. Colorado. Like, yeah, those happen. um, And it just got away from the Islanders. It's it's the Millhouse thing. It started to fall over, and then it fell over, (laughs) and it just sort of kept falling over. they're gonna the Islanders are a really hard team to eliminate, especially at home. I don't remember who had the stat, but there's something like six and oh in their last six attempts mm-hmm. at um staving off elimination at Nassau. Um Montreal, St. Jean Baptiste Day after probably honestly, maybe their best game of the playoffs there against Vegas at home. I I I don't see them losing. I don't I you know we've 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 christened the Islanders as the boring team in these playoffs. Montreal did such an effective job over Vegas, and Vegas was so futile 
up front. Vegas was the boring team. Never in a million years did I think the Vegas Golden Knights, who play in Vegas, by the way, Celine Dion, shiny jerseys, Marc-Andre Fleury still. I never thought in a million years they'd be the boring team. <laughs> Brutal. It's, they, they were horrible. They were horrible. And the Habs uh, appear to be getting more and more effective at shutting them down with even Chandler Stevenson coming back and not looking all that bad. What Vegas forward has been noticeable? Oh, that's a good question. And I, I think question. in this series, I think in this series, you're seeing, uh, you know what? Maybe there is something to the idea that Toronto is a difficult market to play in because if Mark Stone put in this effort as a leaf, again, we'd put him in the shredder. We did. Well, I, I was, mm, I was watching I, Max, Max Pacioretty. He at least scored for God's sake. If he was a leaf though, he would have been on a bus out of town. Yep. That's what Max happened Patrick, in Montreal. Who's good? He was on a bus out of town. <laughs> it's I, I said this repeatedly on the stream last night. If the puck is not on Alex Petrangelo's stick, nothing's happening for that yeah. team. The entire team is just, it's stagnant. Tuck, Riley, and they're, they look a little in their heads too. <laughs> Stone has horrible body language. Um, Riley Smith with that, just, that's a tap-in. That's a tap in. Vegas is one goal back. All of a sudden, that building's absolutely shaking at the foundation. And who knows? Maybe you tie it. Boy, they have four goals from their forwards through five games. I can't, I cannot, I cannot believe it. Cannot believe it. March or so, just constantly on the perimeter. Like there, there's not a, there's not a one. There's, I, I keep bringing up Armia. And Perry, you know, guys who give you these depth performances that you need to get far. Haven't noticed Colasar. Haven't noticed no sick really. Who's had to fill, you know, top six, bottom six, whatever. They're getting nothing. Mm -hmm. Nothing. And I'm sorry if 12 guys out of 18 are giving you dick all, you're going to lose. <laughs> it's it's not good. Well, and and and, you know, I think I raised some eyebrows last episode saying Deneau's going to get $7 million a season this summer. Again, so, I what? How, how can you deny it? So you I brought this up. Going to. I brought this up. We, we, uh, we talk about um, agents and their job representing their clients and everything. And when, when it goes to arbitration, for example, you're able to bring up comparables. Who on God's green earth is the 2021 comparable for Philip Deneau. Who? Don Meehan is his agent, according to puckpedia.com. Um, I don't know who you compare him to. So we're really just making the number up. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this guy's this guy might get six plus million dollars in free agency and give you a whopping 12 goals next season. <laughs> and you'll thank him for it. There's no, there's no center in the league like Philip Deneau right now. None. He's a truly unique talent. I can't believe this team. It's, it's, yeah. It, it makes you the thing about the Montreal Canadiens, and I, I hope fa have fans are relishing this. Is it's made the entire, entire sport question what we think we know about the sport. All of the, fans, the, media, 
the I can guarantee you the teams watching them right now are going, what the fuck? This year <laughs> like, has shattered my brain. This oh. this year has absolutely shattered my brain. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's it's mind bending. And and you know what? It's fun. That's what makes it fun. Like, you know, uh, uh me saying before the series that Montreal wouldn't win another game. There were a lot of people who believed that, by the way. I wasn't the only one. And and there were, I mean, even Drew said uh after game four, producer Drew, your sports net said they're not gonna win another game this series, and they come out and dominate. It's they are it they are hard to believe, but at a certain point, the results dictate that you have to believe them. And they yep. are winning. And and the other thing is is that like things like little things, like you know, Cole Caulfield, who's got who scored the most expected goals uh this entire playoffs for anybody. Body language. Body that, language. That kid doesn't have a care in the world. Well, and and you know, his little like fist bump with Dano at the press conference where they and then they kind of shook their hands and stuff. Like that's that's fun. That's confidence. You imagine you're 20 and you're a game away from the Stanley Cup finals and you were playing college a month ago. Like he was in college a month ago, guys. Yep. A month. Crazy. A, what a literal run. month. Like <clears throat> I keep going back to it. Let, let me do some counting. Six one. There's eleven two. Uh eleven four, twelve four. Leafs outscored Montreal twelve four in the first four games of that series. They were up three one. Mm-hmm. Bro, what the fuck? I know. I think it's about time to look at those games as the outlier. Like we gotta, we gotta stop going back and being like, ah, oh, they were that team versus the Leafs. No, they're the team after Game Four. It was they a four-game warm-up. Yeah, yeah, that's who the they Canadians were. Five, are. six, and seven team. Right, right. Four-game warm-up, and um, again, I, I, I would love to bring someone on. Maybe we could have Dom on, but I just feel like. Cole Caulfield is so good that no model, I think, could account for him. How do you account for him after 10 regular season games and college in the world juniors? I don't know. I you know what I mean? And, uh, like, I, I was I was doing some stuff for Sports Interaction, who sponsors the um, Watch a Habs game with Steve Dangle streams on the Sports Night YouTube channel. Check us out tomorrow at 8 p.m. Eastern. Um, and, like, Vegas is still favored. They're the odds-on favorite for game six. And no, like just, <laughs> just no, in, in well, my opinion. Like that's, that's, that's still uh, like you're thinking about the 18th place regular season Habs. You, do we, do any of us think the Habs finish 18th with Cole Caulfield? No, no. I think they're a much better team with Cole Caulfield. And I think, I mean, eight points in 14 playoff games will show you that for a low scoring team. Montreal's not really usually been the high-flying scoring team that we've necessarily seen this playoffs. Let, let me ask you this, and I don't know if it's too um, – I don't know if it's unfair to do this at this point. Do it. But, but if you were to – Is this Marner? I, Are you going to say Marner? No, no, no. This is for, for, for you, Jesse, and you, Steve. If you were to redraft the 2019 draft, is there any way that Cole Caulfield doesn't go number one now based on what we've seen? So, like, we've seen Jack Hughes play on a lesser team. Is that who went first? Yeah. Oh, my God. And then, oh and then you had Capo Caco and Kirby Doc, Bowen Byram, Alex Turcotte. Like, you know, there's names, but names that haven't really fully come into the. So, Caulfield 
who has only played 10 regular season games, he's tied for fifth. I was talking about this on the stream last night. He's tied for fifth in goals from the 2019 draft. The guy's so tied, right? It's, it's early. early. The guy he's tied, yeah, he's got four goals. Yeah. The, the guy he's tied with is Dylan Cousins, who's played 41 games. It hasn't Capo Caco played almost 100 or more? Caco uh, leads the draft class in goals with 19. <laughs> And he's, he's played, played 114 games. Jack Hughes yeah. has 18 and 117. Yo, Hoglander. <laughs> At uh, number three there, 13 goals, 27 points in 56 games in his only season. Kirby uh, Doc, very good coming over yeah. – or uh, not coming over, overcoming. I'm very tired. But overcoming I just, a, a significant injury. I think if you look at it I, – I mean, I, at this point, if you were to look at it right from this moment – there's no way you're not taking Cole Caulfield number one. Well, like, we, we've and there talked were 14 about teams passed on this guy. I, no, more than that. Oh, no, you're right. Sorry. I thought he went 17th. Um, we, we've talked about this phenomenon on the podcast before. The, every now and then there's a draft and a player comes up who everyone knows is going to be good. They acknowledge it. Experts acknowledge it. Teams seem to acknowledge it. And everyone passes on them anyway. Once upon a time, that was Subban. I remember all the coverage. Oh, Subban's going to be great. Oh, you're going to use the first on him? Oh, no. Second round. <laughs> yeah, he's going to go in the second. And the Habs benefited from that, too. Cole Caulfield, the only thing going against the kid is he's 5'7". It's the only thing. And it's never really come up. Mm -hmm. Like, it's never... I haven't really seen a play where it's been a factor. I don't think you can use – people tend to use size, and I think in Toronto we do a lot of this because we're – you know, we did like for a while our big blue-collar teams, and and uh, um, we haven't had smallish players since, I think, Borchevsky uh, really kind of take off. And then, you know, obviously you have Marner. But um, a lot of people, and myself included, have questions about whether Mitch Marner's style can work in the playoffs. And, and a lot of people have chalked that up to size. I don't think size has anything to do with it. Theo Fleury was short, uh, played like a pit bull. I, yeah. I think I think Gallagher. You look, Gallagher. Well, you look at the way Cole Caulfield plays. I don't think size is ever going to be a thing that holds him back. I think he is just—he's a laser. It's it's amazing watching them watching him play, and amazing watching the results. Efficient, really efficient, really smart. Knows where to be. I mean, his line is in in a in a playoff where size does seem to matter. The Lightning are pretty big and bruising generally. Mm -hmm. um, same with the Islanders. Same with Vegas mm -hmm. on their back end. Montreal's throwing like Lekkonen, Suzuki, Caulfield at you and and just scorching your life. <laughs> like just... Yeah, Braden uh, Point is like 5'8". Braden Point too. You know, the There's another the one. Playoffs and points. That's one of the most fascinating things. Like I know, it, I feel like analytics has taken a bit of a hit. Uh, this year um, and we've we've talked about it a little bit and some things work some things don't one thing I remember I think it was on Canucks Army they a bunch of really smart guys were asked to rank um, their prospects for whatever what was Braden Point's draft uh, 2018 let me look no it wasn't 2018 no, no 2014 was he that long ago yeah I know no I can't believe it yeah, 2014. 2014, round Whoa. three. Round three, 79th overall. I know, time flies. Um, and uh, 
a bunch of really smart people were asked to uh, basically do a mock draft. There's the word I was looking for ahead of the 2014 draft. And almost all of them had Braden point as a first rounder. I think some had him as high as the top 10. I'd have to look it up. Dude went 79th, 79th. Someone's got to answer for that. For the love of God, like he's third in scoring. You want to know the two guys ahead of him? Do you fire all the scouts? No, because then you're Buffalo. <laughs> well, then that's the thing is it's pretty hard to create institutional change if the institution needs to be fired for the change to happen. Do you know what I'm saying? Like that's, I mean, that's what we're looking at here. We're looking at a fundamental way of changing how you scout and how you value what you have scouted. Can you, can you name the two players? I just blew it. Can you name the two players? He, he's third in scoring for the 2014 draft class. Can you name the two players ahead of him? Dry Saddle McDavid. Dry Seidel, and then McDavid went the next year. Oh, and David Pasternak. Oh, oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> Willie's got to be in there, right? That's Willie's year. He's yeah, he's up there. So there are four players who have three hundred points or more. Nikolai Ehlers, who's played over sixty games more than Braden Point, wow. is seven points behind him. And I think we all agree that Nikolai Ehlers rules. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sam Reinhart's fifth. Dylan Larkin is sixth, and William Nylander who has taken a significant hit in games played uh, is sixth. Leon Dreisaitl already has 506 career points. It's fucking wild is that it's dumb. And uh, what's uh, what's even more dumb is he's actually a goal behind Pasternak with 40 more games played. That's how good Pasternak is, by the way. (laughs) Wow. Well, you know, not bad. It's so, so, I mean, obviously we don't need to spend too much time on Tampa and the Islanders. I know that you guys probably have some points on them, but at the end of the day, like it was a game that got away. I think, like I said, I think the story here is what is going on in Montreal and Vegas and what a game it's going to be on Friday night. Like Thursday. that is, or sorry, Thursday night. So we'll be able to come here. And Steve, I have to ask, how has the reaction to you doing the live streams for Montreal games gone? As in like, how do Montreal fans feel about it? Honestly, um, there was a little bit of resistance at first, but they've been pretty cool. They've been pretty cool. I, honestly, most of the most of the mean tweets I'm getting are actually from Leaf fans, <laughs> and I think I think they're facetiously calling me like a traitor. Like I, yeah, I, I think, think it's they're a joke. Yeah, yeah oh, I think okay. they're mostly they're kidding. Some of them are like weirdly personal. Um, you know, a lot of older. You know, no no offense, not to be ageist or anything, but I'm getting a lot of shit from older tweeters. The younger crowd's like, hey, this is pretty cool. Mm. good job and like they seem to they seem to appreciate that i'm watching this with an an unbiased eye which i'm really putting an effort into it you know um trying to see everything from everyone's perspective like for example that um who was it uh petrangelo high stick somebody yeah kakaniemi he he got kakaniemi in the face it's a four minute double minor and then they overturn it and they say, actually, there's no penalty with the conversation in this series so far, Habs fans are going to be freaking out. And so I look at that and I go, okay, so they took it back because it's not a penalty because it's a follow through. Mm-hmm. So I was talking about the difference between what, what March did to Perry, which it should absolutely be a penalty and what Petrangelo did. And if I'm Petrangelo and I got to stick up for myself, what I'm going to argue is I didn't do anything illegal 
and I wasn't negligent. Marchessault was negligent with his stick. Petrangelo was legally firing the puck, and Kakaniemi was doing his job by trying to defend him. His stick rides up Kakaniemi's, hits him in the face. Neither player asked for that. And it wasn't negligent. Like, you got to take care of your stick, but it wasn't negligence that led to that play. Mm-hmm. So I was like, guys, this is not necessarily the way that I see it, but if I'm Petrangelo, this is how I'm arguing it, right? So I've really got my hockey man analyst hat on uh, for this series. Uh, Habs fans have been pretty cool. Has it been kind of fun to watch the game and not be emotionally fucked up when they screw it up? God damn, it's so much easier. So much easier, so much better. And Berkshire was a guest for, um, I think it was game four. Never heard of him. And he's, yeah, Dick. And he's like, don't let the rubber band break because he was a Habs fan. And I say was because he, he refuses to say he's a Habs fan because the PK Subban trade broke him. And he's like, man, I wish I was a fan right now. And he's telling me to not let the rubber band <laughs> he could, break. He could just he's be a fan. He could. Ju- I. It is true that he could just be one. But like, what do you feel in your heart? Like, what do you feel in your chest? And what I what I told myself yesterday and this morning, I think about it a lot, is I must still be a Leafs fan because otherwise I wouldn't be this pissed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, I don't think. Listen, we all piss and moan about being Leafs fans, but we we that proves that we still are. Like if we actually didn't care, you just go, yeah, fuck it. It's like a bad ex. Yeah. Just leave it alone. But yeah. uh, no, there's a lot. There's a lot to talk about there. I, I don't do know. I'm oh, sorry. I don't know how I'm, oh, I just don't know how I'm going to enjoy watching the regular season next year. <laughs> Is I, the chat civil on the live stream? Uh, so I don't have the chat up because it's, it's too much. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also don't have the sound. Um, for the broadcast. So one one thing that happened, Flurry made a spectacular save when the Habs were already up three nothing, and I said, "This is the part where the broadcaster goes, remember that save." And I got a bunch of responses that two seconds after they go, "Remember that save." <laughs> so uh, no, Drew. Uh, if you ever see me look down during the streams, that's because Drew just texts them to me. Oh, okay. Like he cherry picks them and texts them to me because otherwise. Uh, you know, you'd see me squinting and I'd have to scroll back and it, it wouldn't be as good for the show. But dude, we had, I think we're the number one trending thing on YouTube in Canada, our stream from last night. And we had as many as 40,000 people concurrently. Nice. So people are, people are digging it. I'm pretty sure game five for the Hab series beat game five for the Leafs Hab series. Good. Good. That means words, words spreading and people are digging it. They're worth watching. I agree. I do a good job. Damn it. (laughs) And also it's nice to see, I think, you know, people probably like, especially Lee fans need to like a round off round and a half off. It was pretty, pretty rough, pretty heartbreaking. So now it's like, okay, we can watch hockey. We still like this sport. We can just disinterestedly watch it. And plus it's you. So it's fun. Now, do you guys have anything you want to say on the Islanders and Tampa game? Is there anything that needs to be said? Any deep insights in an eight, nothing loss? Uh, Throw it in the garbage. Okay. Jesse Barzal had a cadre moment, but that was, Ah. which is like looking in hindsight, we should have kind of expected he would be the guy because he got benched towards the end of the season uh, for performance and not trying hard enough. And now he has a little red mist moment when you're down six, nothing at the end of the second. 
mm-hmm. and that uh, I'm surprised. I like I wouldn't have been surprised if he got a Gabe. I understood why it was a fine, but it's it's still a cross check to the face, which is if it's the regular season, I can see him getting three games. If it was the playoffs, you give him nothing and you find him. So I was a little I was a little surprised at that. Yeah, I think, and this is where um, foot uh, not footage, but gifts um, have made suspensions really hard to call. I think impact matters, right? Kadri wrecked the guys that he hit. <laughs> I just I just don't think Barzal's on. Who did he hit? Cernak? Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget. Or Ruda. It, it doesn't matter. <laughs> Whoever he hits. Um, I just don't think the impact was enough to warrant a suspension. I thought that was one where I'm like, all right, five in a game and a fine. It it does still – there is still a problem, though. It was Ruda, by the way. Oh, it was Ruda? Yeah. It's this age-old problem where when the game's gotten away from you, especially if it's the playoffs, you might as well get your pound of flesh, too. Mm-hmm. And I just – I don't know. I think that's kind of trash. Because, yeah, like, what if, what if he's injured then? Right. It's also – like you're you're saying impact, but intent was to ram his stick into the guy's face. Yeah, he, just, he missed a little. He got a, he got him a little low. Yeah, no, you're not you're not wrong, man. You're, you're not wrong at all. Um, so um, Sorokin, when he got hit in the neck with the puck, he definitely would have come out of the game if it wasn't Varlamov who was already pulled and looking on the bench. Varlamov's like, I don't want to go in there. No. And then the, the doctor comes out and he's like, hey, you don't look well. I'm going to pull you. And he's like, no, no, let me no, stay. I don't think so. <laughs> and then he stayed in the game. And that was a little questionable, but it happens. I, it's I do know one thing. It will, be, it will be tough for Tampa to close this out with the Islanders fans being as loud as they'll be. Yeah. You know that like, that's the one thing about Islanders fans. Like they've been tortured enough for 25, 30 years. Um, they're going to be loud. And I wonder how much of a, how much that plays into the game plan for, you know, tonight, you know, if it's, if they are going to make a comeback, you have to think that the fans are going to play a big part. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but in a post COVID world, we've played with empty hockey rings for such a long time. You know, even if Tampa is used to it a little bit, you know, playing in on, on the Island, as we saw when Tavares went back, it's different. It just is. You know what? Uh, You got to give it to Tampa fans though. Because when the Islanders were closing out Boston, their fans were chanting, we want Tampa. And then Tampa absolutely pumps them and their fans go, you got Tampa. (laughs) (laughs) Those are smart fans. That's cool. I love it. I love it. I don't see the Islanders winning two in a row. Like I could see Tampa winning tonight or they win game seven. It's th- they've been 13 and zero since the last year's playoffs in games where after they lost. So if, even if they lose game six, I don't see them losing game seven and I could easily see them winning tonight. Like I think it's Tampa series to take it. Yeah. It's a, that's a, yeah, it's just so hard to bet against the lightning and uh, heading into the, f- the, the final four, I was hemming and hawing about who I thought the best team was. I mean, it sure seems like Tampa, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and, and this, goes like with, this goes with our whole uh, regular season conversation. Colorado was not the best team all year. They were the best performing team. Tampa was the best team last year when the season began. January, February, March, April, May. Now June, 
And when July comes, I assume they'll still be the best team because I assume they'll still be in it. If it's Tampa, Montreal, I don't know. <laughs> like that's that's a that's tough series a to pick. Series, yeah. Oh, you know, you know, if it's Tampa, Montreal, as a Leaf fan, I look at that and go, "Fuck! I don't know how the Leafs are going to make the playoffs next year." <laughs> Tampa, Boston, and Montreal, I, and I'm still not convinced yeah. that Montreal is going to make the playoffs next year. I mean, with Cole Caulfield, is different, but like they didn't object in order finish in the top 16 this year. How, in order, man? In order to engage playoff price, you got to get there. Yeah. And like, dude, he's ordinary in the regular season. He is like, he's not a $10 million dude in the regular season playoffs. He just goes like his hair goes blonde and he defeats a purple alien on the planet Namek. No one knows what I'm talking about. Shut up. Yes, you do. Uh, He's just another being. And to Montreal's credit, how about this? You know, oh, the, the Leafs didn't have this guy. The Jets didn't have this guy. Vegas didn't have this guy. Montreal's missing a player who scored at over half a point a game this season. Can anyone name him? Anyone? I do. I can. Who you got? Jonathan Drouin. And what can you imagine he comes back for the final against Tampa? <laughs> I don't think that's a possibility. I don't think it is either, but if I'm writing the movie. All right, all right. That's happening. And I if I'm the head coach, I don't play him. You go I, with the that's lineup. Probably the right choice. Games. Yeah. yeah. But no. He hasn't played in, in what two months? And it's, and been, it's not and we don't know what's going on there. Well, ex- so. Exactly. So my point is you you play with the guys that have been winning you the games. So you yeah. you like because what are you gonna say to them? Hey guys, I know you've you've kicked you 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 beat up on one number one team. You beat a number three team, and then you beat a number one team or two team in the NHL. Who? Like Vegas, Vegas is the number one two. team, or the no? They're two. two. Number two. two. I finished ahead. Okay, yeah. so you beat you beat the number one team in the North. You beat the third team, or yeah, third team in the North or second team in the North, and then you beat third, number two in the entire league. We're going to the finals. Uh, sorry, one of you has to come out. I just don't see that. That's not going to fly, and they wouldn't do that. I'm just saying my mighty, like if this is a movie, my mighty ducks, I woke up in the morning, no pain at all. Like it, <laughs> that that moment, if I'm writing this movie, is Jonathan Drouin comes back to play the Lightning. If it's a movie, it should involve David Ayers. He signs randomly with Montreal to clean the Bell Center ice, and then all of a sudden, Carey Price is injured, and David Ayers has to go in. You know, that's that's the dream. And, and he's standing at the door, heard you boys needed some help. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just hard bitten having a cigarette. Yeah, just <laughs> throwing right, his highball down. Man. All right, let's go. <laughs> listen, listen, what you don't Smash. understand is I'm defeated. I'm or I'm undefeated in this league. <laughs> um, hey. Oh, sorry, Jesse, go ahead. I was going to say, Montreal has what it takes to be Tampa, which is a scary thing to say. Mm-hmm. On the back of John Merrill, they might do it. <laughs> like it's just on the back of some hey who wants to get even more depressed about the Leafs let's go uh, breaking news from Cap Friendly it's well yeah it's sort of breaking news because I didn't know it uh, two more players not on our original list at the time but whose signing rights also expired on June 1st not expiring expired uh, Matthew Hill a 6th round pick of the Ducks 186th overall 2019 Emily Rassinen oh. Toronto Maple Leafs second Round 2016 in 2017. So he was after whom? 
Uh, oh, baby. Let's let's have a look at some of the guys who went. So this is the, the, the funny thing is he's actually harder to find on Hockey DB uh, on account of he never played in the NHL. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to type I'm not in Austin. worried about this. <laughs> I am. You know, for any of you out there who are looking up Emily Rassinen, I'm sure that you'll find the same difficulties I do. I, Steve Dangle, have a harder time finding him because we are talking to Leaf fans here. Logo beside him. I just and I can't find him. They're gonna take Kerfoot, and it's gonna be great because then we get cap space. All the E Rassinens, all the E Rassinens that played in the NHL, we can't find the one that we wanted to draft. (laughs) Shut up, (laughs) Jeremy Swayman from the Bruins, Emil Bemstrom, Drake Batherson. Not Swayman. Not Swayman. He's good. Swayman shot. Have you seen Swayman's wrister? Swayman's I call it a goalie. Day because I could watch him all day. You know what I mean? I hate you guys. Is he a goalie? I have no <laughs> idea. Worst, I don't know what the, the fuck he does. <laughs> I'm the worst no, I'm really worried about Swayman getting picked in the expansion draft. Fuck, it's going to be brutal. I'm talking about... Never mind. <laughs> so Rassadin, yeah, it was a shitty draft. And anybody who's still saying Mark Hunter for GM, uh, no, man. Uh, that, there's a reason why Mark Hunter is not working in the NHL currently. He could, Maybe. Or he could just enjoy his time with the London Knights, which he owns, and they're kicking ass and good for them. But I'm sure if somebody said, hey, Mark, we'll pay you $4 million, he'd be like, yeah. But there's a reason no one has. It's just if he's such a hot commodity, I don't understand why he's still in London. He's so hot that no one picked him up. He's like a potato, right? Like I've, just, I've so been hot. to London. It doesn't rule that hard. It's well, okay. It's a, it's a good city. It's a good city, but it's not fun. so much that I'm turning down NHL jobs. Or money. The thing like, is, is, like, it's yeah, Captain so America over there. It, hey, you're going to come be GM of the Flyers. No, I don't think I will. Like, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't get it, man. <laughs> Jenny pick. <laughs> um, now, uh, if the Canadians do win and go to the finals, do we have to cut the conversation that maybe the North Division was, in fact, elite or even possibly just good? Uh, I'm going to say still no, and it's not a knock on Montreal. Um, it's a, we watched them and now I'm watching the playoffs. So maybe here's the unfair thing is I'm watching all these teams in their final form. Right. Whereas we saw, you know, dicking around against Calgary in March. Yep. Um, and no Cole Caulfield, frankly, no Cole Caulfield. This is the best Montreal has been all season. Uh huh. Um, like in terms of a roster, in terms of how they're playing, and you know, I, I maybe it took them a while to get used to Dominic Ducharme. Uh, they definitely figured it out. Carey Price hit another gear. Um, like it for for us to be like, okay, the division's good. I need to be able to picture the Leafs or the Jets or the Oilers having any kind of success against any of the other three teams remaining. I can't I just, see it. I can't. I think I think the Jets get just slaughtered. Well, they did. They um, did. I think the Oilers maybe squeak out a couple games, get slaughtered. I think the Leafs maybe win a couple games, lose. Like, I just don't see any of the other Canadian teams beating any of these three remaining teams. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying that this collection of teams was in the middle somewhere, middle to bottom of the standings, you know, amongst talent, you know, if we're yeah, like, talent, like they're average. Yeah. Like I think we overdid it with <clears throat> like the Canadian division being bad, but it's certainly not good. Right. It's somewhere in the middle. This, these six or seven teams, you know, mm-hmm. it just kind of is. Yeah. It just is. Okay. The better teams in the NHL pack up the other divisions. I, I tell you what, though, the conversation's not going away uh, <laughs> next year when everyone returns their regular division and they suck anyway. Well, I wonder, too, because uh, there's, I mean, obviously, the, the don't get involved in Leafs Twitter. If I, can, if I can make any recommendation, don't get involved right now. It's pretty, it's pretty rough. But a couple, a couple things have come to light. Number one, somehow somebody calculated that it's been apparently 73 games since Mitch Marner, who by far leads the team on ice in power play points, has scored a goal on the power play. 73 games, bro. Why? Why? Has it Why is that a conversation on June 23rd? Because Leaf fans are nuts. Because <laughs> also furious. Also, that's kind of concerning. I would say that's concerning. Okay. Most but of the points today, I'm seeing... Not today. <laughs> yeah. Jesse got it. Fair. Like what? Fair. So Jesse Fair. nailed it. All, everything that I've read so far, and I've read a, a thousand similar things, I'm like, you're not wrong, but now? Yeah. Yeah. I think I think it's it's there, you you see Montreal getting what they're getting and deserving what they're getting, um, and the crow I am eating I deservedly eat, uh, but there's Protein. it still makes you go, bro, what the fuck? Like what happened? How did this happen? And I think there's so many things like you just want to rationalize it, like it's just it's just does not compute. And I think I, I use that stat to bring up um, acting the Fulhamans article in Pension Plan of Puppets today. I don't know if you guys have read it, but it's making the rounds and it's really, really good. And, and the crux of the article is this, because I don't want to wreck it. The crux of the article is Leaf fans keep not understanding why we can't get through adversity when we don't understand that we are the adversity. We're the rich kid. We have all the toys. We have all the expectations. Everybody's looking at us all the time. And any team that gets through us gets over their, their hump. Do you know what I'm saying? And we are the enemy. Everybody hates us. We knew that, right? We knew that. But it's such a well-worded article. And it's sort of like he started it off with, I hate the Leafs because I cheer for the Leafs. And you're kind of like, like, I mean, yeah. Whenever a fan of a different, like a fan in a different fan base tweets someone talking about how the Leafs are bad, like automatically you're doing it wrong. We know. Yeah, <laughs> we know, man. Like, what the? F- we wrote the book on the Leafs are shit. Why are you telling me? You can't. You can't. You can't tell me the Leafs are shit better than I can. Mm-hmm. And the thing about this year, though, is that it's not fun anymore. <laughs> like it was. It was like we still like. I could look back on. There was another one of these five years. It this regular season was the most fun I had watching them. The way it ended was the worst way. I mean, they, they were a fun team to watch. They played defense. They did all the things you wanted them to watch. When, when, when Nylander and Marner held out, um, or, you know, Marner almost held out, those were not fun events. Nylander holding out for three months, we talked about that. It was the least fun season I think we ever had. Uh, I still remember it. It was just stressful and shitty, and it sucked. And then Nylander comes back. We're like, okay, that's a good contract. Doesn't perform well, and we're just deluged with Leaf fans who are like, 
oh, he sucks. What a terrible contract. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. This was a fun season. We forget that. It was fun. We had a good time watching this team. They were entertaining. They mm-hmm. were scoring. They were feel good. They really liked each other. Joe Thornton was there. Jason Spezza scoring 30 points. What is going on? And then they just take it to the one last fucking game. They need oh. one game. And that's why on June 23rd, you're hearing stories about Mitch Marner not scoring a power play goal in 73 games, which is admittedly weird context in terms of timing, Jesse. You're absolutely right. But I think that still is running in people's heads all the time. You go onto Twitter, all your friends are Leaf fans, and you're like, what the fuck happened every day? And, and now that like the dust has settled on yet another disappointment, can I say I get the Nylander slander? I get it. I get it. I, d- I disagree, but I get it. Mm-hmm. You're mad at him, and you're—I mean, because that, like you said, it was shit. That whole saga was shit, and it led downhill to a much larger pile of shit. And at the end of it, they still haven't won shit. Mm-hmm. So I get it. It and like that makes it—I don't know about personal. It's—it's an emotional dislike you have for this player. Mm-hmm. And you could look at his totals and go, yeah, no, I know he scored 30 goals, but fuck him for all those reasons. And I get it. I disagree, but I get it on an emotional level. I get it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how uh, this team uh, wins this PR battle. Uh, I think you win it by, spring. you got, you got to have a big move this off season and uh, you got to have a really great start next. Well, year. not that big though. No, it's got to be big. Trade one of the core four. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Well, not that way. Uh, okay, so so uh, we do need to move on to a couple other things here. So first off, um, Alan Walsh was tweeting today, and whenever Alan Walsh tweets, kind of drop what we're doing and watch. And I kind of <laughs> liked I, I liked this tweet because Alan always has this way of like like with the DeBoer sword. There's always something like kind of funny in your dad about it. Um, so <laughs> there is, right? I get and it. And he said, with the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, Court decision in Alston, you have to wonder the next shoe to drop. Why are players from the CHL, which is WHL, OHL, QMJHL, banned from playing NCAA hockey? The CHL changed all player agreements four years ago to classify their players as student-athletes. The CHL players lose NCAA eligibility because they are classified as professional under NCAA regulations. It's a total farce. Uh, a $40 per week stipend to CHL players makes them quote unquote professional. Players in the NCAA are receiving in-kind scholarships valued at fifty dollars to $70,000 per year. Hashtag end the farce, which I love. And I want, to, I want him to make t-shirts out of it. End He's the farce. Gonna. He's gonna. Oh, they're in production right now. Question for you. If, this, if, if the NCAA changed that, and allowed CHL players to, to go back and forth, for instance. Is there a chance the CHL or the, or the yeah, so I guess the CHL and all the leagues, are they all ruined by that? Um, Could, well, like, it, does all the talent just diffuse to the United States at that point? Uh, no, I, I don't think so because there's still, I mean, if you look at the NHL, um, the, the stats will still show you that you have a better chance making the NHL playing major junior, right? So I want to play against the better players. And as long as the majority of the better players are in major junior, that's, that's how it's going to stay. How do you keep them in major junior when these l- reputable, legitimate schools 
are offering a post-secondary education second to none in the country for free. Whereas these guys are getting shipped to small towns, having almost no, uh, no, like what's the, what's the CHL really care whether you go to class or not? Like, well, the thing is, is if I am a parent, my kids going to the, and I have the choice in the matter, kids going to the NCAA. They'll, they'll fight you on that. Um, the C, the CHL will fight you on that, but like, I'd like that's... to see the GPA, the average GPA of CHL hockey players. I would love to. No, I, I know what you mean. There's, I remember it was around the time Petrangelo was in junior and Ryan Ellis was in junior and they were talked about as this, as this new wave of like well-educated OHLer for lack of a better term. Like they're not just these kids who are, you know, screwing around playing on the bus going from town to town they're going to classes they have tutoring Mm -hmm. um you know that was something the ohl really wanted to change the perception of i have a hard time believing though playing a 60 plus what is it 68 game season um as like a 17 year old with all that travel you're getting the same education as a guy who goes to wisconsin or harvard or, uh, you know, Boston. This is this is my thing. And it's not to denigrate the players that are in it. You know, oftentimes in the CHL, you're 15 or 16 years old. I'm telling you at 15 or 16 years old, I would not have had the drive to go to school every day. I'd have been like, fuck that. I'm going to get do what I can to get by and play hockey. My parents were the ones that really were the driving factors to push my grades up. And And without your parents there, I don't know. There just seems to be... Um, I, 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 I question this system with the CHL and I have for a while and I've, I'm uncomfortable with it. I'm really uncomfortable with it because these players are not paid the team's profit. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And then what they're at the end of their career, they could be 20 and they have no post-secondary. They haven't even started it. I, and, and then if you play in the CHL, you cannot go to the NCAA. So you're basically, if you're Canadian, especially you're forced to go to the CHL because you can't wait those two extra years. Where are you going to play hockey? Is, is that the and case it, for players who play uh, while they're in high school? Is that So if you play for, because it's 16 to 20 for the yeah. CHL, that's their age range. So, so if you're yeah, 16 you basically- or 17 and you play in the CHL, mm-hmm. then you can't play NCAA hockey? Like, could you right. not trans? That's no. correct. Yeah, you you play Cannot. one game in the CHL, you are disqualified from playing in the NCAA. That seems like an odd rule. Like, why yeah. not? Why? Because they're considered they professional. Limit? Yeah, that's so strange that they would limit somebody who's not even eligible for their league. That because they, the they're NCAA makes them. too much money off of players not making any money. I think they want also the commitment. Because Adam, you brought something up there. Um, like I think the NCAA should allow these players mm-hmm. uh, to come play NCAA, but I'll, I'll never defend the NCAA on any front. However, I will say if they're insisting once you commit that you can't leave, you know what I mean? That's, that I yeah. get. The you reality, can't be going, oh, sure. I want to do this season with this team, yeah. and then I want to go play in Kingston, and then I'm going to pick my education back up again the next year because it didn't work out. No. No. Get out of here. We're trying to run a program, too. Like a That's that's what I'm saying if I'm then. A reasonable yeah. way to 
to have it is just once you're eligible for the NCAA, that's when the student athlete kind of thing kicks in, you know, at that point, then you can't earn any money. And if you want to come play here, you have to commit to playing here. Like it's ridiculous that you're limiting people who aren't even eligible to do your thing. And you're having a minor, which, which these kids are have their, so if these kids can't make the decision legally on their own without their parental guidance, you're having parents decide the future of their kids before their kids are adults. And we're not doing, and really like, listen, this isn't for the kids that are going to go to the show and make $50 million. This is for the kids, the 99.9% of them that won't go anywhere. They may go over to Europe for a bit, make a couple hundred grand. That's great. But at the end of the day, are we doing what's best for on both sides? Are we doing what's best for the kids here? Or are we doing what's best for the interests of the business involved? And listen, when you get to be an adult, uh, you get to be, old enough to drink, which is the United States, by the way, is 21. Um, you know, you could sign up for the army at 18, but 21. You're telling me that this is what's best for the kids on the NCAA part and on the CHL part. I don't think that that's possible. You can't make that argument. And so I, 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 I understand and respect that there's a business element here, but your business literally is employing children, legal children. Here's what I'd love to know from the NCAA. Um, why can CHL players play in Canadian universities once they're done? Because what? Because the the U Sports isn't trying to create this billion dollar business where they rob student athletes, right? And and let's and let's complicate matters even further. Um, why can an American player come to the OHL, play for four years, and then go to a Canadian university? Can't play in the NCAA. How does that make any sense? It doesn't. Doesn't. Uh, now, Adam, I don't know if this will kill the CHL. I think the CHL is too big to die. Like some things will happen. That's not to what it. they argued a couple of years ago when uh, players were asking for money. Yeah, but they were saying it would sink them. Fart. Just well, Quebec draws like ten thousand fans a game. Yeah, like, no, I, I think I, it's good. I just don't believe any of that. Um, I don't think it'll sink the CHL. Um, it'll crush Junior A though. It'll crush Junior A because you only, I mean, not only, but you play Junior A so that you can play hockey at a high level in hopes of getting a scholarship. And then you go to the States. I was covering guys. We did a Junior A feature every week for my junior hockey radio show. There was this goalie. He got a full ride to Maine. It was, that's a, that's a, that's like a $60,000 education or something like that. Or it was a year. It a was year. 10 years ago. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a great deal of money. And it's cause he was an exceptional goaltender in junior a, which isn't even viewed as the best junior league, uh, in the country. And, 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 and like BCHL is this weird thing of its own that this kid was playing like OJHL or something. So like, it wasn't even the best junior a league. Mm-hmm. I, I, uh, yeah. Can you tell me what the main hockey team is called? The main, oh, I don't know. The Mariners. You should, you should know that. You should, I don't know. actually know. You know, more and Riley had a good vertical. You should know that. <laughs> <laughs> they are the main black bears. Main black bears. The University of Maine. And their uh, mascot is uh, Bananas T Bear. Bananas T Bear. <laughs> That's his name. I don't know what the T stands for, but his middle name is T. The. 
Probably. <laughs> bananas he, the bear. Bananas Probably the bear. <laughs> bananas the bear. Yeah. And I bet he goes bananas when they score. Hey. Hey. <laughs> um, the, uh, yeah. So that's, that's a little, like, it's just, it's, it's silly. This is all silly. I, I just think at a certain point we got to figure out what's best for the majority of the kids that are not going to go that far. And I don't know, I don't necessarily think I have all the answers, but this system ain't it. Now, I hope someone ends the NCAA in some capacity where they don't have control of all of these thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of kids' lives and are limiting them in the money they can earn while they're aged 18 through 22 and they just want to play sports. It's prime athlete farce. Years. It's ridiculous. And the NCAA needs to end. Can't, can't you be in the NCAA, go and win a gold medal and not be able to like accept endorsements? Yeah. yeah like you can't earn money. How fucking that, nuts is that? I haven't looked into what the new law will let athletes do. Like maybe that's opened up now that this new legislation has passed, but uh, uh, before this week, like that's the case. You can't go get some sponsors. This is where I'd like to have a guy like Alan Walsh on because I would love to know what his opinion on how it should look would be. And how do you not crush junior A? Or do you need a complete revamp of the system in Canada? Curious. Well, and there are some, you got to be careful. There are other leagues where it's pay to play. Yes. Which are not, we've not heard good things. Uh, And you got a, I heard a story. It was, you got to pay, I think it's 10 grand to get on this team. But what they don't tell you before you give that 10 grand and fly from overseas to be a part of this team after paying that 10 grand. If you're a goalie who paid 10 grand, there's three other goalies who paid 10 grand. So now you're the fourth string goalie and out 10 grand and on a different continent. And you're not playing. And you're not playing. Yeah. Those, those leagues are, uh, one day someone will do an investigation on that. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. Now, uh, we do need to talk about a couple of more serious matters. Number one, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm not saying this is the most serious. I'm just hitting it first because the second one is very serious. Uh, you guys remember a couple of years ago, the Sens Foundation stopped working with the Sens. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was... Uh, that was pre-pandemic, which feels like a decade ago. Confusing story, but it was very... It was lost in a just... Eugene Melnick gave us like a story every month. Yes, yeah. And so this time we have a situation where uh, the Sens have started a new charitable organization and Good. it's, you know, outreach to the community. And we have found out that there are, according to the athletics, Ian Mendez issues happening right now. I'm going to read the tweets to you because I would rather quote Ian directly than paraphrase on this one. He said, over the past few days, there have been rumblings in the charitable sector in Ottawa that changes were afoot within the Senator's Community Foundation, which is different from what they were doing before. Chris Phillips, noted defenseman for the Sens for a long, long time, has confirmed to me that he submitted his resignation to the hockey club. He declined to comment further. I have no idea what this means for the charitable arm of the club or if any staff members were affected. Did you see the follow-up from Brent Wallace? No. So the follow-up from Brent Wallace that I just saw on Ian Mendes' timeline because he retweeted it, I'm told the foundation has been put on pause in what sounds like a cost-cutting measure. Phillips was being reassigned within the organization before he decided it was best to step away. Cost-cutting charity. So just to be clear of the timelines, 
So the Sens, they ended their partnership with this company that ran their foundation. And then they started their own kind of internal foundation. Mm-hmm. And then now today we learn that that's not going well and they've, they're cutting the foundation. They've ended the partnership with themselves or at least put it on pause. Like, here's the thing. If you're a small organization, a lot of times it makes sense from a business perspective to outsource, right? Which is what the senators originally did with their, the, 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 the I forget what sends care or whatever the charity was. Um, and so they had another company from the outside sort of running it and they would do whatever their contribution was each year and put on their events. And this, this charity would be able to use the Ottawa Senators logo on a bunch of things, which gives you instant gravitas, gets more people out to events, gets more people buying seats at those big, expensive, fancy dinners uh, that raise a pile of money. You know, that all that matters, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but then from what I remember, there were some accusations towards Eugene Melnick at the time uh, and I remember when those accusations were leveled, the, the Ottawa Sun actually had the article. And then I think it was Bruce Garrick that wrote it. And then... Um, or Don Brennan. Don Brennan, one of the two. And then Eugene threatened to sue them. Well, I, I think they remember. had to issue, if I remember correct, they had to issue an apology. And Dean Blundell, who had also written about it, then also had to issue a retraction. And, Interesting. And goes, I'm never writing about the senators ever again in any capacity. Which I thought was a, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a funny way of dealing with it. Okay, fine. I won't talk about you in any good or negative light ever again. Man, he's got an audience. Just not going to talk about it to them. So I'm going to talk about the Ottawa Senators. So it's interesting that Chris Phillips, pretty big player in the community, big name, wouldn't want to be a part of it anymore. I'm curious about what happened here. And we don't, I don't want to make level any accusations because we don't know anything to this point, but it's something to keep an eye on. But, you know, we've t- uh, the Ballard curse has has been a very uh, popular topic in uh, Toronto, uh, where an owner alienated basically a generation of Leaf stars. And it took Brendan Shanahan decades later to even bring Dave Keon back in the building. Chris Phillips just left. Daniel Alfredson already left. I don't know if Eric Carlson's going to be accepting a gig with the team once he's all said and done. This ain't good for the Ottawa Senators. Do these stories only stop when Eugene Melnick no longer owns the Ottawa Senators? I think you're being too hard on him, Jesse. He's got a he's trying to run a charity, he's trying to run a hockey team, he's trying to run a power plant. Cut the guy some slack. All right. That's that's a direct quote from Sens five six seven two one on Twitter. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> A Twitter Sends. account based in the Ukraine where all the senators right. fans are. Sends are great 6971 <laughs> Ukrainian flag emoji. Does that uh no, 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 no. And in that, by the way, for anybody that really remembers, that's a very deep cut. <laughs> so we're throwing it way back with that one. Um, I think I think at the end of the day, Jesse, to answer your question, sometimes the common denominator is the common denominator. And that's all we can Sparta really say. Sparta cat. Yeah. It is Sparta cat. Like By a, the way, as long as Sparta get out of that there. suit. If, Show your face, coward. <laughs> if we're ranking NHL mascots, Sparta cat has to come in the top five, I think. Don't you? It's, it's gritty and everyone else. Like, gritty. I, I, UP's awesome. I love UP. <sighs> UP's boring. UP's okay. He's borrowed, but he's still Montreal's. You know, they, 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 they lost the Expos. Give me UP. Come on. 
Yuppie is five games away from a cup ring. And Spartacat. <laughs> I know. That's not what's happening here. It is He's not gonna get a giant cup ring. And he would have he won the won. size of a trash can lid. He could have won the 1994 World Series, but now he'll get the 2021 Stanley Cup. <laughs> I I do uh yeah, I, I love Spartacat. Spartacat deserves better. Don't 94 World Series. 94. That's what I said, isn't it? No, yeah. I thought you said 91. No. Spartacat, Spartacat. Um <laughs> Okay, this next one is I'm a, I'm just going to present with a trigger warning. Uh, this is the Chicago Blackhawks that uh, the the sexual assault allegations, sexual abuse allegations that Rick Westhead and Rick Westhead alone has been reporting on. I don't know why this isn't more widely reported. I don't know why this is in front page news in this country, given the place that hockey has in it. But I, I'm even shocked right now, as of now. And this article has been up for a few hours. It's only got like 101 retweets on TSN's hockey account. I don't know why no one's talking about this because it involves a story. It is in Chicago. I know. I, well, exactly. So, so here's the thing. So the, the, the background here is if you, if you've missed this somehow, two NHL players that played on the 2010 Stanley cup winning Blackhawks team accused a video coach of I guess improper sexual behavior would be the would be the 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 sanitized way of saying it. Um, there were allegations that there were unwanted advances uh, after the players met at this man's apartment and um, and had something to drink and et cetera, et cetera. Now, the 2010 Chicago Blackhawks had a lot of names um, that are in current NHL head offices and in current NHL positions. But before we get to that, what's important here is that the players reported this to a coach on the team, not the coach, but a skills coach. The skills coach then reported it to upper management and asked them to take it to the police, which they did not do. And they were, they said that they'd invested the investigated the allegations. I believe the Blackhawks has have said before in a statement, maybe a month ago that they had, they did an internal investigation on this. I believe that's what happened. Now, Rick Westhead said alleged assault of Blackhawks players, quote, an open secret, according to the source. So let me just read this directly. The alleged sexual assault of two former Chicago Blackhawks players was, quote, an open secret among staff, both within and outside the team's hockey department. A former team marketing official said in an interview with TSN marketing an official. The official told uh, the official said he was told by Blackhawks assistant trainer Jeff Thomas during the 20, summer of 2010, that then video coach Brad Aldrich had sexually assaulted two players. The official asked for anonymity because he still works in the pro hockey industry and fears repercussions from the National Hockey League. Wow. Okay. So here's, here's, the, here's the thing that's interesting. Brad would, would routinely befriend young interns and invite them to his apartment in Chicago to watch March Madness basketball and other sports. I was told to steer clear of him because he had tried something at his apartment on a few players. This was not something that only a few people knew about. The entire training staff and a lot of people knew that was an open secret. Now, what's important here beyond that, moving away from the article for just a second, is that uh, Brad Aldridge in 2017 uh, was convicted of sexually assaulting a 17-year-old boy at the school that he worked at because he left the Blackhawks and went and coached at a school and sexually assaulted a child. So this is less about Brad Aldrich. He's been accused of this. He's been convicted of this. What this is, is a 
uh, a case about negligence of duty by some pretty prominent names in the NHL. The allegations, and this is back to Rick Westhead's article, against the Blackhawks went public in May. The unnamed player identified as John Doe in court documents alleges that he reported abuse to the team and that it was covered up. A second lawsuit filed in May by a former Michigan high school hockey player identified in court documents um, that uh, alleges the Blackhawks covered up the abuse of two players and gave Aldridge a letter of reference when he left the team in the summer of 2010. That letter gave him the opportunity to go find other victims. Aldridge was convicted of abusing then 17-year-old hockey player, a then 17-year-old hockey player, excuse me, in Michigan in 2013. A year later, Aldridge resigned from his position as director of hockey ops at Miami University. And uh, on November 27, 2012, he was under suspicion of unwanted touching of a male adult, according to the University of Miami, uh, which is what they told police and the police uh, records were obtained by TSN. So this keeps spinning and spinning and spinning. And I highly recommend you share this article and that you read this article. Uh, but uh, Coach Vincent from the Chicago Blackhawks is, uh, is a, an interesting guy here because he's the one who's willing to testify on behalf of the plaintiffs in the lawsuits against the Blackhawks. He said, I feel a weight has been lifted off me. I will stand up in court and say what happened. I know what the team did to cover this up and coming forward was the right thing to do. Vincent, Coach Vincent, alleges that the players approached him on May 16, 2010 in San Jose, where he, uh, he asked Blackhawks sports psychologist James Gary to follow up with the players and management. The following day, Vincent says he was called into a meeting with team president John McDonough, um, who has since left, I believe, general manager Stan Bowman, and vice president of hockey ops Al McIsaac. Um, and Vincent said, and of course, the, the sports psychologist Vincent said, that he asked the team to report the alleged abuse to the Chicago police. That request was refused. And then Vincent told assistant coaches, John Torchetti and Mike Haviland uh, about his request to go to the police and the team's response. Neither of those guys will comment on this. Now it's important to remember there's some important names on here. Joel Quinville was the coach. Kevin Sheveldayoff was the assistant GM. Uh, Mark Bergevin was the director of player personnel. And the Canadians say, he didn't know what was happening. He, so the he, Canadians say, the Canadians said in a statement, I'll read this part. Uh, Montreal Canadiens general manager, Mark Bergevin, who was the Blackhawks player personnel director in 2009-2010, was not aware at the time that players had made complaints against Aldridge and was not involved in a meeting to discuss them. Canadians vice president of public affairs and communications, Paul Wilson, wrote in an email to TSN. That to me goes against what the source from the marketing department uh, says. If it's an open secret amongst the team and it gets back to someone who's on the marketing department, which is so far away from hockey ops that I assume a person like Bergevin and the hockey ops might know. It seems odd. Shevel Dayoff is now the manager of the Winnipeg Jets. Jack's spokesperson declined to comment and referred questions to the Blackhawks. Quinville is now the head coach of the Panthers. Panthers spoke, spokeswoman did not respond to a request for comment. The NHL has also not responded to multiple requests for comment. Holy shit. Now, specifically one request, uh, I know Rick asked them, because Aldridge, Aldridge's name is on the Stanley Cup. And he asked them specifically, should his name be removed from the Stanley Cup? He's been convicted of sexual assault, and they chose to not respond to Rick. Holy shit. So this is not about... It's about the incident, ultimately. 
But more than that, it's about the incident not being reported. It's about the NHL not having a third-party organization to come in and investigate these things. And when you have 700 players and tens of thousands in your employ, 30, 30 franchises around the league, 31, 32, sexual assault cases are going to happen, guys. There's going to be sexual misconduct when you have that many employees and you have that many subsidiaries of the NHL. But the NHL has no plan for this. They keep it internal. And this is the problem. Like we, we can say all we want. Well, it'd be, it'd be really nice if we didn't have sexual assault. Well, that's just, I mean, there's a reason we have laws against it. We haven't figured out a way to eradicate it yet. So until we do, organizations that are this big need to have a disinterested third party that comes in and investigates when these matter, matters happen. Un, unbiased and third party. Un, unbiased third party. Yeah. Sorry, disinterested, unbiased means the same to me, but yes. I, I knew what you meant. Yeah. So, so now here's the thing. The, the article ends with, um, uh, uh, just a few more things that are basically the suggestion that of, of what I'm suggesting as well. Also, so some people that worked with um, Aldridge are uh, quoted in it. But at the end of the day here, more, the further Rick Westhead goes down the road on this, the worse the NHL looks, the worse the Blackhawks look, the worse that the names that I brought up to you, Shevel, Shevel Dayoff, Bergevin, Quinville, Bowman, Who's the vice president? I keep forgetting his name. McIsaac. McDonough. McDonough. Big names, guys. Big names. Big hockey men names. And maybe Bergevin didn't know. Maybe Shovel Dayoff didn't know. Stan Bowman knew. Stan Bowman knew. Maybe Joel Quinville didn't know. Maybe the assistant coaches and the video coach doesn't talk to the, to the coach about that. You talk to the assistant coach and the co assistant coach brings it up to Joel Quinville and they didn't do that. Well, then that's on them. So it's, yes, it's possible. But one man did know and that one man still runs the Blackhawks and that's Stan Bowman. And whether or not this allegation is true, the allegation was made and it was unreported. And that is the issue. The allegation was made and it was unreported. I'm going to say it one more time. The allegation was made and it was unreported. You, and, and, and not only that, it was uninvestigated because it was not reported. That falls at upper management's feet. And I'm curious as to how they could possibly, possibly move forward through this. I don't know what you do. Like uh, there are people saying right now, these guys are all going down for this. You could look in any other industry, you lose your job for this. That's why we have HR departments. Where is that in hockey, by the way? Do they not have an HR team? The key thing you said there is in any other industry, like who knows what hockey is going to do? Well, the NHL specifically is going to do in this instance to just to make sure this doesn't explode. This ain't going away. Mm -hmm. This ain't going away at all. And I mean, the story was bad enough the last time we talked about it. I did not, I guess, appreciate the vastness of the issue. How many people were involved? 
where they are now, how far this has spread throughout the NHL and the sport. This is bad, guys. Question for you. Akeem Alley played for the Rockford Icehogs, right? Uh, yeah. They were a subsidiary of what team? Blackhawks. Who was their coach? Bill Peters. Clearly, there's a reporting issue in Chicago. Or there was. And that was around the same time, too. Yeah. Now, it's been 10 years. Maybe things have changed since then. You better show us some proof, though. You better show us that you guys are already on this. And Chicago especially, but the entire NHL. The sport has a job to stay on them until they say something. Because they're hoping this just goes away. Mm -hmm. And that strategy worked for a decade. It's not going to work anymore. There it is. Let's go to the press conference. The Presser SDP. The Steve Dangle Press Conference. First question. Steve, this comes from Corey Liveton. Corey wants to know, will you do any more trade trees? Yes. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, we're going to be doing them in the off season. It's They're so... They're time consuming, um, you know, and it's three people for the most part who work on it. It's me um, and I got to do my research. It's mm-hmm. uh, producer Stu, Tom Stewart, who's got to do his research. And then we get together and we put our heads together and he does all the graphics and producer Drew uh, is involved as well. And during the regular season and playoffs, we're tied up in so many other things. But we have, I think producer Stu sent me six that we have mapped out and ready to shoot. We just need to make sure they're still up to date. Um, but uh, yeah, at some point I plan on shooting a bunch of those, hopefully between the time the Stanley Cup was awarded and the draft. So I'll, I'll bank all those. We'll upload them maybe once a week or something because I am throwing my phone into Oshawa Harbor um, the second uh, the free agent frenzy is done. Oshawa has a harbor? Oshawa has such a nice park by the lake that I only discovered last week. <laughs> it's such, and they're building this huge park, giant slides. It's oh yeah, that that little section of Oshawa. I gotta bring you, gotta bring you. We'll we'll have a picnic as pals. We'll have a pal picnic. Second question. This one's for Adam. Adam Matthew Hill of the Anaheim Ducks. He wasn't signed. He was the sixth round pick in 2019, mm-hmm. and now he can re-enter the draft. Okay, what's, what's your take on Matthew Hill? I have no take on Matthew Hill. <laughs> Why do I have a take on Matthew Hill? Did someone Get ask? <laughs> no, because <laughs> he he was the other dude with Rassadin that I was oh, talking about. Oh man, well I'm you know I've been <laughs> I thought there was someone asking. I thought there was like someone just trying to fuck with me, which is fine. But no, was, he was the other guy on the tweet um, that Steve was reading. With man, Rassadin. I wonder how hard would it be to find Matthew Hill's name on Hockey TV? <laughs> I'm gonna It'd find it. Hard. End the farce, Steve. <laughs> Hashtag end the farce. Matthew uh, Hill. This one, this one is actually a question for uh, Adam. Okay. Adam, this is from Stale, at Stale Chipotle on Twitter. Ooh. They write, does Adam have any easily consumable history recommendations for fans of the History Corner? 
I love that segment. And I'm looking for more history bites that are quick, fun summaries of cool events. And you know, this is a great opportunity to announce that Adam Wilde is starting Adam's History Corner podcast. It's every no. day, <laughs> every single day at 9 a.m. You can hear it on every your day. favorite podcast app. Live on every radio station around the world. At 9 a.m. Because he gets yeah. up at 3 to record it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's pre-scheduled. So I, think, I think the best thing is... Um, uh, I have to be honest with you, as a fan of history, most history podcasts are boring. They're done by professors who are monotonous and extremely detailed and do not know how to deliver a message to an audience. They can deliver a message to a lecture hall, but that is much different than delivering a message in an entertaining fashion to an audience. And there's so many podcasts I listen to and I go, if we could take that script away from you, you can be the executive producer and get someone who's interesting to listen to to perform it. Wow. Wow. Just pay him a small fee and so many more people are going to listen to it. It's just, there are, there are podcasts that I've listened to that are genuinely spectacular, but the, the, the way that it is, and I, I see what this person's going with this question, the way that it is, is, is given to people who are, you know, like you and I, just normal people is so boring that you can't stick with it. One guy I think does an amazing job uh, is uh, the history hit. I, I think I mentioned this last time uh, history hit. And actually, if you're a big history fan, historyhit.tv is actually like the Netflix of history channels. Um, And this guy is, let me just look his name up because he's a British guy and he's done like, I don't know if you guys ever been on like super hungover on a Saturday. No. And and watch like great castles of England or something like that. No. It's Dan. That's what you watch hungover? Oh, that's what I watch. Yeah. Dan Snow is his name. Really, really big. Uh, He's got like 350,000 followers really big in England. Uh, he worked with the BBC forever and he's like a young guy and he's like excited about everything. He's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this thing. We're going to go visit this old rock in Scotland. I'm going to tell you 45 things about it. And all of them are interesting. And, uh, and he's, he's just this kind of guy that is able to engage with the people who are like, he, he invites people on to talk about a particular subject. So um, there was one talking about the other day about like post Roman Britain. For a lot of people, that's known as the dark ages and it's super boring and it's hard to, it's hard to quantify and it's hard to know what life was like because nothing was written down. And he brings this older kind of boring guy on and makes him interesting because he's a great interviewer and he asks the same the questions that you would want to know. So I would recommend the podcast History Hit. Um, and then, of course, if you're in for like epic podcasts, we always recommend Hardcore History. Dan Carlin does a spectacular job. There is no one for my money that can narrate better than Dan Carlin in the English language. He is spectacular spectacular and has a different perspective on everything. I don't know if you've seen the, uh, the recent series, Steve, or listened to the recent series, but it's about the Japanese perspective leading up to world war two and during world war two. And it's just unbelievable. No, I know a little bit about it just because I took, um, a course with a ridiculously long name. It was like global relations from 1900 to 1945 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the course starts in like Japan, 1840 or something yes. like that, because the history teacher was like, you cannot understand this. If you don't understand everything that happened before it. And he started right. in Japan, mm-hmm. which threw the whole class off. Yep. Like every, every student in the class. Cause we all had this North American education that doesn't talk about any of that shit yep and it uh blew my mind pretty thoroughly Mm -hmm. i'm with you though history needs to be jazzed up (laughs) like 
Just lie a little. Yeah. Just lie a little, but only a little. Not, not a little. Just don't even need to lie. Just deliver it with some excitement. If you're this passionate that you read encyclopedia after encyclopedia about it, go and read it. And I, listen, I'm I'm saying this as somebody who would love to host a history podcast, but I'm not qualified. Like I, I'm really not. So the 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 um uh I think. I think I would recommend, I would point you in those two directions because they, the, the Dan Snow ones history hit, they're half an hour long. They're easy to consume. Dan Carlin, you'll just keep, you, you, you listen to it 20 minutes at a time and it takes forever, but boy, is it good. It's so deep and uh, like the understanding and the sensitivity towards all the other cultures and stuff too. So great. Just so that's lie. what I would say. Just lie. Just lie. When, you, when you talk about Christopher Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you recommending good guy? Give me Noted car chases. I want yeah. I want the Christopher Columbus car chase. Ma- like make up some other stuff. Like he discovered America. That is like, Christopher- you know, like I, I that is the car give chase. Me something. Yeah. There that, you that, give them all what? machine guns. You know? <laughs> people in the 1500s had machine guns for some reason. Sorry. You know how many people went, oh, when I said, yeah, never mind. Have you gotten to that episode of The Sopranos yet, Jesse? No, no. I'm like Columbus Day is a day of Italian pride. <laughs> said the one non-actually Italian character in the entire show. Sorry. I'm out of questions. Okay. Well, that's it for us today. But uh, we will be back Friday. I think we're going to have... Well, we're for sure going to have one series wrapped up. I'm going to guess by Friday. But maybe two. And we might be talking about the Stanley Cup Finals if we come back on Friday. How cool is that? For sure, gonna have one series. For sure, gonna have one series. One series will end. That's the... not how like sure works, man. Huh? <laughs> what do you mean? There's a chance we couldn't. Well, I think Montreal's getting in. Oh, Adams, do- I, I know what you're doing. I've done this before. I don't know what you're talking about. I know exactly about. what you're doing. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking. Uh, Montreal's in by Stanley Cup Finals. Let's go. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. Connection complete.